we are acting as reluctant shareholders because that is the only way to help GM succeed. What we are not doing, what I have no interest in doing, is running GM. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson in New York City. And I'm Laura Conaway sitting right next to you. Today is Monday, June 1st. That, of course, was President Barack Obama you heard at the top. He was talking about the very thing we're talking about today, the big news, GM's bankruptcy. But first, the Planet Money indicator. It is, Laura, sitting right next to me, 5.7%. That is the personal savings rate for April, and it's up from 4.5% in March. And like we always do on the show, we want to give our listeners a good news and a bad news way of looking at this. I won the arm wrestling contest, so here is the good news. The good news is that after a long time of Americans saving pretty much nothing, they seem to be saving at least a little bit of money. And that is something economists have said we need to do. But here I get to say the bad news, which is actually what I always prefer to say. Um, This might just be an artificial blip and not a fundamental change. Basically, people had more money so far this year, in part because of the, you know, temporary government stimulus and tax breaks. And people spent less money, but not because they thought, oh, I should be a frugal person and save more, but because we think, as far as we can tell, they're terrified of the recession and are hoarding money. So... Folks, we have no idea yet if this little uptick in personal savings is a permanent change to a more frugal way of living or a statistical one-off. But we do know that today did bring us a permanent change to the way the U.S. economy works. Yeah, it sure did, Adam. You and I and an awful lot of our listeners out there are soon going to be the proud owners of General Motors. Woohoo! one of the worst companies in the world to own, I would <laughs> you think. You bought it. You own it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, our Jacob Gans, our producer, spent a lot of time. Now, he, he asked me to make very clear these estimates are rough. He's not standing by them in any major way. But they are ready. But they are ready. He says that based on his rough calculations, every tax-paying American owns roughly, on average, $192 worth of GM. For that, I get leather seats. Yeah. Now, we should say, not yet. GM filed for bankruptcy protection today, and part of the deal that they've agreed to means that eventually U.S. taxpayers will own 60% of the company. Which is a strange piece of news. And we talked about it to our friend NPR's Frank Langfitt, who's the person who covers the auto industry most closely at NPR. And Frank said, yeah, it's weird news. And he himself had kind of an out-of-body experience with it this morning. Okay, so I'm driving in this morning, and it's about 5 o'clock, and I'm driving down the George Washington Parkway, and I hear myself announce on newscast that GM is is filing for bankruptcy. And, you know, it's kind of a jolt. I mean, it's not (laughs) – I was sad, even though I've been covering this for a long time, and I And it was actually you – and it was me. And it <laughs> you was were me. doing the report. <laughs> I'm listening to myself on the radio, and I've been feeling, and, and, and based on just looking at their their debt problems and stuff, that they should have been moving to bankruptcy last fall, late last fall. And even though I know all the mum- the numbers and the financials and this was inevitable, I still there was a certain sadness, you know, <laughs> what's, what's <laughs> listening to this on the way in. Why sad, Frank? 
sad in the sense, a couple of reasons. One is, you know, this, I mean, as much as hackneyed as it sounds, this was once a great American company. Um, and it is very symbolic. And it comes in a the midst of a deep recession. I guess the other thing is, as I've told you guys before, I spend a fair bit of time in union halls. And I talk to the people who build the vehicles. And some of them work, they work very, very hard. These are very difficult jobs. I, don't, I know that I could not do these jobs. And they want to take pride in them. And I think this is, you know, whatever mistakes the company made, and we could probably do two or three podcasts on that alone, this is also a very human story. There are a lot of people who worked really hard and do believe in the company um, and take pride in their work. And this is, this is really awful for them. So it's, you know, it's just spending time with those folks. There's, a, there's so many aspects to this story. But it's, I, just, it's not good for America. I mean, even if, even if you hated GM, you shouldn't be happy to see it, you know, in, in this state today. So, Frank, this morning, I and Laura and you and every American woke up the proud owner of a new car company or a very old car company, as the case may be. What, what do we own exactly now? 60% of a new General Motors that is going to come out of bankruptcy probably 60 to 90 days. I think the government's probably right about that. It'll come out of bankruptcy court really stripped down. Saturn, Hummer, Saab, Pontiac will either be sold off or they'll be sitting in bankruptcy court ready to be sold off. Um, they're going to get rid of the vast majority, the majority of the debt, and it's going to be just a much more slimmed down company. And what the government is hoping is that it's actually going to be able to uh, someday, relatively soon in the future, actually make some money because it's been losing money now for four or five years. If you add it all up, it's it's you know eighty at least eighty million. It's a, I mean eighty billion, excuse me, a, a ton of money. So we taxpayers own sixty percent of this small company, this Mon- newly smaller GM. True. And and then all those other things you mentioned will it will be owned by other car companies. We don't know which ones yet. They're going to be sold off to pay off creditors and stuff, just like you do in bankruptcy court normally. You know, kind of that bankruptcy garage sale thing where you have these assets that aren't attractive. Not that you know it doesn't make sense for the company to hold them. They will sell those off uh, and use those to to pay off the creditors. Okay, so 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 sometime in August, early September. GM will sell off how much of itself? Half of itself? What what percentage of itself? It won't be it won't be half because it's going to keep the big brands and the, the the real money makers and the ones that everybody recognizes: Chevrolet, Cadillac, the GMC trucks, and Buick. So that's still the majority of the sa- sales. Those are the the best brands, the ones that people can actually identify with. They'll they'll keep all that. Okay, and then um, and then basically starting in the fall, it's just back to being a normal car company that just happens to have the U.S. taxpayer as its own primary owner? It's trying to make money in this market and hoping that the consumer market comes back. You know, right now, annual sales in the United States for this year are estimated to be about 9.5 million units for the entire market, which is very, very low. And so one of the things they want to do, obviously, they're hoping that that comes back. They're going to have to do a lot with um, the, how they market the cars is going to be really interesting because their relationship with the taxpayers is going to be kind of a new thing. Um, yeah. I mean, what I have people talked about, 
you know, everyone gets mad at their car company at the service center when they want to charge you one hundred and eighty dollars to you know tighten a screw or something. Does that change the dynamic? If I have I go no and, idea. Yeah. I mean, this is something I, I might want to try to do a story in the next couple of days, and I'm not sure. Most people probably haven't even had time to inter- internalize this. I mean, the president, you know, I don't think people have had a chance to really think this through. You could go both ways. You could say, okay, maybe I'm really mad at General Motors or I haven't been that happy with their cars, but maybe it's now in my interest to you know, take another look at those cars because I actually own the company. And, uh, you know, if, if car sales go up, maybe the taxpayer gets back a little more money that's it's, it's invested. I was just on the phone with uh, an analyst I deal with at IHS Global Insight, Rebecca Lindland. And she said, well, you know, some people may say, listen, I already gave you $50 billion. I'm not giving you any more of my money for a car. So it's hard to know how how consumers will respond to this. How cynical should I be about this? I, is Is... Is your sense that saving the car companies, the, the motivation is primarily, you know, a, a motivation to keep the U.S. economy healthy? Or is it that you can't become president if you lose Michigan, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Illinois? Well, I, I actually am not that cynical about it. I think that, um, I mean, who honestly, who wants to own a car company? especially General Motors. This is not this is not going to be a lot of fun for President Obama. And we actually are going to be able to hold him. I mean, if he gets a second term, um, we'll be able to hold him to this because we're going to see if this company makes money, whether it fails, how much money we actually get back. We're going to know all the answers to these questions. So it's questions. a really risky move. It, well, it's a total gamble with our money. I think, and I don't, you know, I, I think there's a genuine concern that if you let something like General Motors collapse, that you're going to lose a lot more jobs in, in the upper Midwest, in the middle of a deep recession, and you could really slow what's, you know, if we're lucky, is going to be sort of a very slow recovery anyway. I think there's a genuine economic calculation. Of course, he, he wants to run again. He knows that politically, it may, it's, you know, this helps him. At the same time, he's really slimming down this company. And that's maybe not even the right word. I mean, he's forcing, there are more and more cuts. The, the UAW is going to be decimated. It's already suffering a lot. It's going to be so much smaller. And yes, it'll still live. But it's not like President Obama is loading them up with lots of money and saying, okay, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, The way I see this, honestly, is the administration said to the company, listen, you're going to do what you should have done four or five years ago, and we're going to make you do it. So are, are we taxpayers going to make money off of this deal? No, I don't think anybody thinks we're going to make money. The question is, how much are we probably going to lose? Um, I, I've been talking to people. It's hard to know exactly because you have to figure – You have to. we have so many questions. I have so many questions for General Motors. I know everybody who's covering it does. Um, you know, how, how soon can you pay off these debts? It's still going to have a debt structure, like something like $17 billion of debt. When does the company actually expect to make a profit? I was on the phone, as I was me- mentioning with an analyst earlier today, who was saying, well – it could be at least three to four years before the company actually posts a profit. And frankly, what we would be looking for here is less and less losses, which is, you know, kind of sad when you think about it. And other people have said that one of the first things, once we can get a, a better look in the, in the coming months at what's happening with the company is, what's the cash burn? You know, are they continuing to burn a lot of cash, which is a very bad sign and could lead you back into bankruptcy and liquidation? Or is the cash burn really going down fairly quickly and this restructuring seems like it's working? The other thing is there's just so many variables. We don't know when is the um, car market going to come back. What's the price of gas going to be? All these things we don't know, and that will determine how much money we get back. That said, 
you know, the company probably late last week was worth under a billion dollars. If we're putting $50 billion in, this company has to see a really great turnaround. It right? has to be 50 mathematically, times 60 mathematically, times Mathematically, it's just yeah. got to have this great turnaround. Well, this is a company that, that's had a lot of troubles and has lost a ton of money. It could happen, but I don't think that that's what, you know, anybody's expecting. GM certainly has a long way to go before taxpayers can hope to see any of that $192 each on average back. And there is this tension here. You have the government, which, of course, wants to hold on to GM as short a time as possible. They do not want to long term be in the car business. Yeah, they don't want to be in there saying we need more Snickers in the vending machines and making little decisions about whether I get leather seats. And we heard President Obama say at the top of the podcast that the government is indeed a reluctant shareholder. Now, GM CEO Fritz Henderson showed just how coordinated the company and the administration are at this point by saying effectively the same thing. Both the governments of uh, the United States, Canada, Ontario, as well as actually uh, the the VIBA uh, Trust have an interest in actually selling down, creating a, creating a, a market for GM shares, selling down in an orderly fashion. They've, they've certainly communicated that to us clearly. There will be some time for us to be able to get ready to do that. But I think, let's face it, these are a, this is a substantial block of shares. So this is a question of years, not months. And I think that that question is actually more appropriately addressed to the Treasury. But I, I do think they certainly indicated an interest in having GM in private hands as, as, as soon as possible, but consistent with getting the right return for, for, for taxpayers. But then, Laura, you have that old Warren Buffett maxim, the only way to make money on stocks is to hold on to them forever. It's something like that, he said. Right. All right. Close enough. I didn't exactly get the quote right. <laughs> so the, the point is, Frank told us that most analysts don't think GM is going to make any money for at least three or four years. So you'd probably have to hold the stocks at least that long to turn any kind of profit. But the government does not want to own the company that long. CEO Henderson said that for GM, they're not even thinking about profit right now. Their dream, their goal, their ambition is to just not lose so much money. One of our objectives is to, we're not, we have, we're not sitting here today, we've got so much work to do, we're not in the business of picking which quarter we're going to become profitable. The issue is getting our break-even point down to about a 10 million unit level EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes, um, and, and to execute our plan through 2009 to get ourselves to that point. Uh, so that doesn't mean we're profitable, obviously, because if you're at break-even at EBIT, you're not in a profitable position. But nonetheless, the risk to the company will be substantially less than it was before, and the upside to the company will be substantially better to the extent that the market's improved. So as opposed to trying to guess what the volumes are going to be in any given quarter, 100% of our focus is being spent on getting our break-even point down so that we are as robust as we possibly can be for different economic environments. Adam, you kind of get the feeling that it, GM, as with so many of us in our personal lives, they're just kind of trying to outrun the recession at this point. Yeah. And for them, the recession is deeper than it is for the rest of us, and it's probably going to last longer than it is for the rest of us. On the other hand, the government estimates, Adam, that General Motors can break even even if there are only 10 million annual car sales in the U.S., which our own Frank Langfitt says is a fairly conservative estimate. This year, for instance, there were 9.5 million sales. So if there's a little bit of an uptick next year and the year after... It's um, not so bad. It's not so bad. We'll see. Frank says GM has a long, long way to go. So there's this other thing that that I've been fascinated by. I had a talk with... um, 
Marilyn Keller and Associates office. They're um, an auto consultancy, and um, they were they were explaining to me that basically the world makes just just makes too many cars, or at least could make too many cars. If you added up all the car factories in the whole world together, they could make something around eighty million cars. Okay. But if you look at how many cars people around the world actually want to buy, it's closer to 60 million. Is that even with countries like China where car ownership is going up so fast, you think? Well, China, yeah, I think China, the match is it's actually the other way, although I'm not sure about that. I don't want you to quote me. But they said the big issue is the U.S., Germany, to some extent Korea, countries that just make too many cars. But, you know, you're talking about countries that make cars for the whole world that make an awful lot of cars. And and he said that the, the issue is that they can't all just lower their prices. You know, normally supply and demand, if you have way too much supply, you just lower prices. But there's so many fixed costs, labor costs and, and materials, just materials and so all that, that they can't lower the prices too much, although GM certainly is lowering a lot of prices. And so... Um, so basically, the the view of at least this one consultancy is that the world has to just make fewer cars, meaning lots of factories around the world have to close down. I mean, you're talking about I'm doing the math in my head, but almost uh, you know maybe around a quarter of the car factories wow. in the world. But that no government, not just the U.S. government, no government is willing to lose that many jobs. And so you have the governments of the U.S., of Germany, of Korea, subsidizing their car industry and keeping them alive. Um, now, I I don't, you know, like Frank Langford said, I don't think this is all just cynical politics, but it, it does give you a sense of just how structural these problems are all over the world. Well, and it starts to explain why President Obama has already spent tens of billions of dollars on Chrysler and GM. He's not hoping taxpayers will make money on that investment. He just wants not to blow a bigger hole in the Midwest's economy if he can help it. Right. And this is gets into an economic debate that let's not deal with right now, but basically on the one side, folks who say, well, look, if the government doesn't step in, you're going to have huge costs because if you basically throw the Rust Belt into depression, forget about recession, there's going to be so much government expenditure that he's actually saving money by losing money on GM. Other economists would say, no, 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 because by the government intervening, it creates all sorts of bad incentives and lack of productivity, and it messes up the U.S. economy in other ways. Let's put that off for another day. All right. All right. Um, so I think that does it for us on today's podcast. Um, please do visit us at our blog at npr.org slash money. Tell us what you think of this. Tell us whether holding a piece of GM makes you want to actually go out and buy a GM car now that you're a proud shareholder. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Laura Conaway. Thanks for listening.